Dear listeners, welcome to the Data Frontiers podcast. I'm your host, Valentine Gandhi. In this podcast series, we will explore how new data technologies are being used to address some of the most pressing issues of our time, such as COVID-19, climate change, infrastructure issues, diplomacy, and education. In 2020, the UK government commissioned a study that was undertaken by NIRA's Digital Futures Hub for the Frontier Technologies Program. This was done to review the digital data landscape and identify data technologies that had the highest potential for impact and use by the FCDO as well as the wider international development community. This study was led by Matthew Shearing and I was the technical lead for the study. The full study link is available in the description below. In these exciting podcast series, we will be taking a look at some of the recommendations raised in this report and we'll speak to thought leaders and practitioners at the front lines of implementing data technologies. And we sincerely hope our guests will inspire you to make better practical use of frontier technologies in your own work. So we look forward to having you listen into our episode. Joining us today is uh, Emmanuel Letouze. He is the director and co-founder of Data Pop Alliance, a coalition on big data and development co-created in 2013 by the Harvard Humanitarian Initiative, MIT Media Lab, Overseas Development Institute. He is a visiting scholar at MIT Media Lab, a research affiliate at uh, uh, Humanitarian Harvard Humanitarian Initiative and a research associate at ODI. and uh, interestingly he is also a political cartoonist for various publications and media uh, with the pen name manu emmanuel it is a pleasure that you're joining us today we look forward to this conversation and uh, thanks for uh, being in our studio today so tell us a bit about uh, yourself and what is the data pop alliance and how are you involved with flowminder and what is flowminder Um sure so yeah so th- thank you very much for for having me and giving me the, the opportunity um so my so my my as you mentioned so my personal background is um, is in development economics and economic demography I've worked many years in and on developing uh, countries uh, I started my career uh, working in Vietnam for the for the French government uh, on um uh, like official statistics and public finance uh, questions and so that's really kind of like my 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 DNA I'm not a I don't consider myself a data scientist or computer scientist uh, of course by, by by training and so but I grew increasingly interested um uh, in um uh, in 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 data new data and then you know big data and and all sorts of new technologies and um uh, And so that's when I started I joined the UN Global Pulse first uh, at the UN uh, and then decided uh, to start uh, Data Pop Alliance. And so Data Pop Alliance the, the vision was uh, in those years 2012 2013 it, it was clear that you know something big was uh, was coming so the kind of you know, big data wave um with lots of you know potential but also lots of pitfalls uh uh so rewards and risks i mean this sort of like uh as always with technology uh, the, there was the, the 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 recognition that it could go you know very well or very wrong or or actually somewhere in between and so i wanted to contribute to making uh, data digital data and big data uh, really like work for um so for developing countries developing regions and the most uh, vulnerable uh like populations so the ones 
who typically don't very have a very strong say uh, in how those uh, kinds of new technologies are being used. So that was the, the, the starting point. That's excellent. I mean, even for our podcast series, we did choose uh, to speak to experts who are interdisciplinary like yourself. There is a Howard Business Review article called uh, data science, the art of science, uh, persuasion and data science. Uh, and that really, uh, one of the core skill sets that lists as essential for data science is the storytellers, people who speak about the context, not just data scientists and anal analysts, but also people like yourselves who are able to see the context and the bigger picture. So we very much want to hear your work, especially on the uh, use of frontier technology and mobile location data for building, uh, let's say, societal resilience and the post-COVID Build Back Better agenda. Can you walk us through from your example on how you're utilizing that? So yeah, COVID-19 for a lot of us has been or should be a sort of wake-up call. I mean, everybody has said that. Uh, you even have uh, organizations that are really representative, I think, of, uh, of I would say, you know, the, 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 the global elite, like the World Economic Forum, saying uh, that we need a great reset. Um, I mean, one can also mention or, or remember that 10 years ago, the title was not a great reset, but it was a great transformation. Um, and so after, after the, 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 the crisis of, of you know, 2008, 2009, um, and so it seems that every 10 years, we think, oh, like, you know, things are not going uh, exactly right. And so we need to, to really like change uh, the system like fundamentally and so that's what i would like to that's that's what i would like to contribute uh, uh doing uh and so th there are there are different ways uh, of doing that i mean one of course is uh, absolutely using the kinds of uh, data and tools that we have now at our disposal that we didn't have 10 years ago so those very fine-grained behavioral data that uh, led or fueled uh, the rise of uh, machine learning uh, and increasingly, I mean, uh, everything called under the umbrella of artificial intelligence. And so there are very concrete practical applications of that. I mean, you can, you can optimize, uh, you know, traffic, uh, you can uh, uh, decide where, in the case of COVID, where to place uh, mobile uh, like vaccination centers uh, given population densities that you can pick up through cell phone activity, satellite imagery, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, and so th there are lots of applications that, uh, I mean, we all carry a phone in our pocket. So it's both uh, our sensor, uh, and, and then you, there's a lot that can be inferred from that, but also we can receive information on our phones. I mean, Google Map is a crystal, sort of like basic example of how machine learning uh, algorithms can help us navigate uh, our, our daily lives. And I think it can improve policies uh, like dramatically to have those kinds of very granular uh, behavioral insights. At the same time, um, I'm not a believer in techno-scientific solutionism in the sense that I don't think the world, uh, I don't think that pre-COVID, uh, eight or three people owned as much as half the world's population uh, in terms of wealth I don't think that's due to the fact that we lack data uh, or that we, there isn't enough technology uh, in the world. Uh, I mean, it, it, we, we, it's pretty clear you know, to anyone who reads the news um, and, and, and has you know, good faith uh, that there are very powerful, deep 
power structural uh, like processes and systems at play that lead to these outcomes and that by just sprinkling technology on them it's not going to change if anything it's going to it could reinforce those very processes we've seen that during the pandemic uh, the, the 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 wealth of the billionaires um, has actually um, uh, increased, even as digitalization has increased as well. The um, uh, aspect of it, which is to really use technology to change deeply those power structures, and, and in particular to use AI as an inspiration for learning. And so I, I'm a strong believer in, in learning, in education, uh, and, and an AI system is very good at learning what works and what doesn't work. And as humans, I think we could uh, take example on AI systems uh, to be to become better at learning and learning that um, when you don't invest in education, uh, things usually don't turn out too well. When you have very high inequalities, uh, then you may have uh, you know political instability, and so on and so forth. And so that's uh, I think the two. The two ways in which I think data uh, and, 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 and AI can help both as an, as an instrument that you can apply to specific problems and also as an inspiration for changing our, our, our societies and structures in, way, in ways that will make us better at learning um, what to do more of and what to do, to do less of to meet some uh, objectives. I really like that. Point. I mean, like yourself, I am also in the cusp of you know data sciences and uh, AI and uh, and also um, uh, development. Uh, so, uh, drawing on your point on these power structures and structures that exist, uh, I've always argued that our uh, equity and equality is not enough because they don't solve the existing problems and you or you, you, the history behind a situation or a country in which AI is deployed and the power structures, as you rightly said, and uh, social justice issues and, and, the, and the social structural inequalities that exist need to be addressed even before uh, you talk about beyond equity and equality. I mean, you should talk it from a oppression or justice and power exactly as you put it. But how do we go about doing that? I mean, uh, if, if there are existing inequalities and throwing a problem at it may amplify existing problems. So how do we deal with that? Uh, as uh, I mean, I, I, in your position, I guess you are in the bridge between uh, what data science can offer and uh, the problems that the development practitioners deal with on a daily basis. But how do we do that? How do we go? Where's the start to change those power structures? Um, so, yes, I think it's a fundamental, very uh, challenging question. Um, you, you use the term bridge first, so I, I'd just like to spend uh, like 20 seconds on that. I, I, I do see my role and work as uh, like trying to be a, a bridge, even if it's a small one, uh, between uh, so different disciplines. Um, and so the, the more like computer science, data science field and the development humanitarian field, um, which talk to each other increasingly, uh, but still it's only the beginning. And I think there are excesses on both ends, uh, sort of like you know, backlash against technology in the development or humanitarian sector, uh, a lot of naivety on in, in the computer science and data science field uh, of people saying, thinking that they can just bring technology to human problems and they're going to fix them. Um, and so I'm trying to, I'm trying to be that, that 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 bridge in, indeed between the, the disciplines and the, and and the, and actors, and so 
if we want to uphold these uh, these principles of social justice, where it's about um, yeah equality of opportunities, um, and then there's there are a whole range of um, of uh, of implications. Uh, social security, social protection uh, should be at the heart of uh, like a new social contract, as we've seen in the case of COVID. I mean, a lot of that at the end is uh, comes down to like political structures, political decisions. Uh, so how does data fit in? First of all, you can, with data, you can actually show some of those inequities. You can characterize them. You can quantify them uh, in ways that are very granular. So that's one initial way. You can also try to explain them. So, and you can say like, you know, systematically, consistently, you know, this is what happens when, when this is done. When you vote for people who don't have the public interest in mind, this is what happens. Um, this is why crime happens, why it tends to congregate uh, or tends to concentrate in some neighborhoods and so on and so forth. And, but I, I do think last, that the real, the end goal, the, 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 like for me, the key vision along the line of using AI as, as an inspiration is to put people in positions where they can, they can actually know these things, where they can, they can learn when they can adjust their behaviors. So whom they vote for, uh, what and how they buy, are they gonna buy everything on Amazon? because it's convenient or are they going to going to uh, consider maybe uh, not doing 0% on Amazon but maybe maybe 20% as opposed to 80% and uh, because that will have an effect on their social interactions with uh, you know the local storeholders uh, it will make this this person um, I mean have this person get a bit more income uh, and so that's the sort of like you know the theory of change um, that I have in mind, which is to use data both as a lens on the world and as a lever of change. Coming from the big picture and coming closer to the specific technologies, uh, drawing on from your uh, keynote to the UN on AI for societal resilience, what specific trends or what technologies exist that can actually build? Uh, societal resilience and what can development and diplomacy practitioners do to mainstream or harness these technologies? So, yes, yeah, so, so there are clear, I think, a, a, a few trends um, that are worth mentioning. And one is uh, increasingly the, the use and uh, the, the, the combination of different data sources. For example, like satellite imagery um, and cell phone data are increasingly used uh, to so to measure, for instance, the vulnerability of certain groups, and so it can be the vulnerability to flooding, for example. Uh, so we've been we did a project um, uh, a few years ago in Senegal, which were um, like like restarting with uh, with Google uh, to to map vulnerability to, to to flooding in Dakar, where 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 big floods happen every year, and so you do that by looking at uh, so population density, of course, uh, but also the age structure of uh, of those populations, and then you assign some um, some vulnerability um, like like measurement to those to those populations, and so it helps you like better plan for um, like you know where to build houses, 
uh, or not to build houses, uh, for example, and in the case of flooding, where to send um, where to send the help. And so what it does over time is that it, it allows um, so those communities to have um, to have less to rely on their assets. So from a sort of like you know theoretical perspective, that uh, if they're if they're hit by these shocks every year, then they know that they're going to have to and that they have to rely on, on on assets and deplete some assets, and so they, they get stuck. They get so like you know stuck in a, in poverty. Also, um, knowing that that uh, you have these kinds of like uh, uh, insurance, so to speak, that you will get some help in the case of a shock. Uh, typically makes you in, make, makes you choose or, or make uh, livelihoods um, and production choices that have higher returns, uh, as opposed to when when there's no social insurance at all, um, then then you go for something that is safe uh, but with a with a with a low yield. Uh, and so uh, the application of those techniques to uh, to to building better like social protection systems uh, overall, uh, to know where and whom to target, uh, like cash relief, for example, I think is something is a, is, is a, is a major trend. Uh, it's more targeted. Uh, you can know uh, in which areas there seems like people are not receiving the kind of, he- the kind of help and, and, and aid uh, that they should. And you could build machine learning models uh, to try and, and, um, and, and, and predict that. Uh, there are other uh, applications, uh, of course, uh, with respect to in, 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 the, in the area of education, for example. Um, there are, you can use uh, uh, you know, new kinds of, of uh, those new kinds of data and approaches uh, to understand when students are falling and why they're, they're falling and, and, and falling behind and, 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 and failing. Um, in healthcare, where to put a clinic, for example, how to optimize uh, value chains um, and, and logistical chains to send some supplies and so on and so forth. What it takes for these kinds of approaches to be systematized uh, and scaled um, is, um, is, is manifold. Um, so there are technical gaps in governments, in NGOs, in a big organization, so people don't have the right skill sets uh, to to actually put in place those kinds of, uh, of programs and, and, and initiatives. Um, and there are, of course, financial uh, constraints as well. There are um, legal and ethical like obstacles. So how can private sector data be accessed safely, uh, you know, in a sustainable way. This is still de- a very hot uh, debate right now, especially with GDPR in Europe and, and privacy concerns in um, in general. There are uh, also cultural barriers. There are still um, there are still organizations and 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 people who think it's a fad, who think that uh, um, it's you know the risk is too great, uh, and so some of those concerns are legitimate, but I think. Others are an excuse uh, to actually uh, like maintain a, a form of, uh, of, of status quo. Um, and, and there are, of course, other, uh, other, other obstacles. Um, but in, in closing, I think the real the, the vision, I think, should be one where those very populations that technology 
is, uh, is and, and well-meaning and often self-appointed leaders want to help uh, or claim they will help, when those very populations are actually empowered, it's a big word, we can unpack it if we want, uh, we are empowered uh, to, uh, to use those data uh, to hold uh, you know, governments to account with and through data and can actually leverage these uh, very powerful tools themselves. Yeah, I think uh, I was planning to ask on that private sector uh, data and how do governments that and challenges, but you got to that. Uh, but uh, you did mention that uh, while these data sets are useful and uh, they can be harnessed for building building back better agenda or societal resilience, the concerns that you mentioned are indeed le legitimate. So what can, uh, let's say, FCDO program managers or similar international development practitioners do to ensure the ethical protections are in place, privacy protections? Do you recommend any frameworks or any places to start uh, in considering the ethics and regulatory governance aspects related to the use of these technologies? So, I mean, likewise, a bit, a bit like as for social justice, there are already a lot of, of key principles and texts and, you know, that, that guide, I mean, old and, old and new. I would say right now, um, the, 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 the European regulations, so the GDPR, does provide a solid framework uh, legal, but also like ethical, more general, uh, with in particular a very strong focus placed on um, on user consent. And so, and, and here, what is interesting is that it's it it's um, it, it deals with privacy, but privacy understood not just as um, as protecting data and and protecting um, individuals. Um, um, like in privacy in the sense of what ensuring that what people do um, and 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 what what the, the way they behave in, um, in in online in particular is not revealed, uh, but in giving them agency. And I think this when you ask you know, what can what can managers do, I think promoting a conceptualization of privacy that is not just about protecting data but which is also about enabling so data subjects, so us, all of us, to actually have a say in how our data are used, uh, I think is, um, is one of the priorities. And so there are different ways of doing that. Uh, so the GDPR, for instance, if you're in Europe and you want to access a website, you, you have to click I consent, but, but it's not really inclusive in the sense that we all click I consent or we say, well, I don't want these cookies, but we're not, in my, in my, from my perspective, we're not very actively involved. And so what I would like to see is more, uh, more active, conscious, explicit involvement of data subjects and, and you know, different stakeholders in general in, uh, in, in, in development projects that have to do with data. Uh, and so for example, you can put in place um, so not just advisory groups made up of, uh, of you know, kind of more like elite people, but you, you, you can actually try and have uh, um, activities, uh, you know, community gatherings and different types of, of, of workshops, communication uh, with and among like the populations uh, whose data you use to help them actually be part uh, of those processes. And so that takes more time, 
it takes more money. Uh, so in a sense, you might say, well, it's not super efficient, uh, but I think it, it will go a long way in, uh, in you know, contributing to the kind of deep social change uh, that I think is required uh, if you really want those power dynamics and decision-making structures uh, to, 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 to actually change. I uh, couldn't agree more, uh, Emmanuel. I mean, uh, but as I mean, we're over time, but uh, just uh, as a last question, maybe briefly you can answer, especially for our listeners who are probably new to data science or frontier data, uh, what's the single most important thing you've learned and a key message that you want to leave uh, in ensuring in, in, your, in your experience in using frontier technology? The key message is that data and what I mean by data is in general, like digital data, digital technologies. So data as a thing, data as a theme, and I include artificial intelligence, is, I, I, I really believe that it, it is a, a tool, a paradigm that, that could really finally uh, change the world for the better. And I know it sounds like a you know, very, both ambitious, but also like vague, uh, statement, but but I do think that there is really we're really at a moment in time where um, where things need to change. There is a realization that it's both desirable and possible, and that data can play um, a, a, a key role in uh, in starting and pushing for uh, for this change for a safer, fairer, more equitable uh, world. Dear listeners, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Data Frontier Podcast. If you wish to learn more about the work of our guests, please check out the links in the description. I would also encourage you to check out the full Frontier Data Study, which can also be found in the link below. This podcast is funded by the FCDO, and I would like to thank uh, Matthew McConaughey, the podcast content lead, and many thanks to our producers, Ben Walker and David Wigerow. Please do check out our other episodes in this podcast series and get in touch with us if you wish to learn more or partner up on any projects. Contact information to reach us is also in the description. Thanks so much for listening and have a great evening or day wherever in the part of the world that you're joining us from. Thank you. Thank you.